against Bitcoin. It's going up forever, Lord. Yo, welcome to Simply Bitcoin Live, your number one source for the peaceful Bitcoin revolution. Breaking news, culture, magic warfare. We will be your guide through the separation of money and state. Speaking of the separation of money and state, uh, I mean, is it one of those episodes? It kind of is. One of the things that Michael Saylor said needed to happen in order for Bitcoin to reach $5 million happened, and it happened early. Christmas came early. And what I'm referring to is the change in the FASB accounting rules. Now, it was set to go into effect in 2025, but now they're set to go effect in December of, uh, the new rules are set to go into effect in December of 2024. So like literally before the year of the bull, which is the year of, of 2025. And then also coincidentally, uh, we have a uh, Bitcoin Q&A from Foundation, and uh, we're going to talk about this awesome uh, this awesome thing that they just released, Envoy, making self-custody increasing. Well, Envoy's been, been released for a minute, but it's a new feature, um, and they're just making self-custody so easy for the masses. I tweeted out, you know, it was a couple weeks ago, and I, we brought Zach on the show to talk about it, but I was, like, having dinner with my parents, and... I came to a realization because they're all Bitcoiners. Like my parents uh, basically bought Bitcoin when I bought Bitcoin and, you know, number go up converts you and you're just like, wow, I love this thing. You know, F the Fed and the central bank, blah, 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 blah. You know, fiat money's a scam, but they don't really know how to interact like with Bitcoin. Like they don't really know how to access their wallets and whatnot. Like I kind of have to be like the lifetime technical support for my family and it's because they're older or they're younger and they just, they're used to, being in the fiat matrix where you have a bank that takes care of you. Um, and I came to the conclusion, I was like, self-custody is just not easy. So, um, you know, our boys over at Foundation are, are trying to solve that problem. And also speaking of self-custody and, and hardware wallets, uh, breaking news is a ledger debacle, disaster uh, that was released uh, that came out this morning. Apparently, they were like, it, there's some bug that allow some malware to be uploaded to the device. And it was like draining people's accounts, like absolute clusterfuck disaster. Uh, but I mean, it's like the reason is simple uh, because they support altcoins, because they support this whole, you know, ecosystem of, as my opinion as a Bitcoiner, dog shit. Um, yeah, I mean, it kind of opens the, you know, it opens the you know, the attack factor, so to speak. And another thing about Ledger, and I, I used to be a Ledger Maxi, like that was like my first hardware wallet, is it's closed source. Like you don't know what's going on behind the hood. So like this comes a couple months after they announced their like sovereign recovery tool, whatever, that essentially you would give access to Ledger and a third party to sign if you lost your private keys. Like I get what they were trying to do it, but in practice, it's just a terrible idea. Um, so yeah, just a lot going on. Great day. Uh, great day to be a Bitcoiner. I know yesterday, yesterday's episode was kind of harsh with the attacks ramping up from Elizabeth Warren and co. Uh, but today's going to be a happy episode and, uh, I'm looking forward to it. Speaking of happy, um, I have to bring up my legendary co-host, always optimistic, very well-dressed. He's going on a date with Chrissy Lagarde, 
later this afternoon. He's trying to get plugged into the container system once again. He's trying to stack sats. This is how Opti stacks sats. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. No, nah, that's not what happened. I, I, I sweat through my, my hoodie last night, so I have to go get a haircut after this. And... Um, yeah, I don't have a hoodie right now. Uh, I'm, I'm fighting this Vegas bug as well, Nico. And I think I just broke through it last night because I was sweating all night. And uh, this is the only clothes I have right now. So it is what it is. But yeah, man, what a crazy day to have uh, Bitcoin Q&A come on the show. We were laughing about this behind the scenes. That like, yeah, it's so fitting that when we get the guys from Foundation to come on here and do a Q&A with us, uh, we have this extremely bad ledger debacle happen. So just absolutely incredible. Let's bring up our guest. And, and guys, uh, we had planned to do the culture as like a Q&A, but maybe we're going to get into this ledger stuff. So if there is some questions you want to ask Foundation, drop them in the chat and we'll bring them up if we got some time. But anyways, Q&A, how are you doing this morning? Doing well, gentlemen. Great to be back on. Thank you for having me again. Uh, almost poetic uh, in terms of timing. Yeah, I was. Uh, did we find planned that this. Very funny. We planned. Yeah, totally yeah. Planned. It was. It was. It was me. Uh, yeah, I'll let you. Yeah, hands up. That was me, guys. But uh, no, beautiful timing, and uh, yeah, definitely looking forward to diving into this one because there's a lot of uh, weird twists to the tale. Yeah, it's it's so. I. I I can't say it's it surprises me. I think if you've been in the industry for a while, like there's something about like when you support the altcoin ecosystem, to put it nice, like I think they have like a different philosophy as Bitcoiners where it's like move fast, break things versus Bitcoiners like move slowly and absolutely don't break things. Um, so it just doesn't surprise me that, of course, it, it's some type of exploit. Like, I mean, remember when the... Um, I forget what those called the, 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 the smart contracts were releasing. Like, I think like 50% of them, like, or like a large majority, I don't know the exact numbers. Like they were end up rug pulling you. Like there was some exploit in the smart contract and it just let the creator of the smart contract to just like rug the entire thing. And they started making lists of these and there are some very predominant ones included in those lists. Right. So it just doesn't surprise me that if you support altcoins, you know, you kind of let this type of stuff into your garden, so to speak. And of course, I'm not speaking in absolutes, but it's a pattern that I've noticed. Um, Bitcoin only hardware, I just, I don't see these types of things happen uh, or happen as much better said. So Opti, I don't know if you want to add to that and then uh, we'll go to the, the numbers. No, I mean, I, I think you hit the hit the nail on the head. That's why we only endorse Bitcoin only hardware is because it just adds more attack vectors, especially when you're adding a bunch of shitcoin software on top of it. So we'll get all into that in into uh, the culture. We'll, we'll let Q&A handle this one. So let's just get into the show, Nico. Yeah, let's let's start the show. Let's get into numbers. We have a lot to talk about. Let's check it out. The Bitcoin numbers. Is your Bitcoin in cold storage really secure? Is your seed phrase really secure? Stampseed's do-it-yourself kit has everything you need to hammer your seed words into commercial-grade titanium plates instead of just writing them on paper. Don't store your generational wealth on paper. 
paper is prone to water damage, fire damage. You want to put your generational wealth on one of the strongest metals on planet Earth, titanium. Your words are actually stamped into this metal plate with this hammer and these letter stamps. And once your words are in, they aren't going anywhere. No risk of the plate breaking apart and pieces falling everywhere. Titanium stamped seeds will survive nearly triple the heat produced by a house fire. They're also crush proof, waterproof, non-corrosive, and time proof. All things that paper is not, allowing you to hodl your Bitcoin with peace of mind for the long haul. Stamp your seed on stamp seed. All right, there we go. Um, guys, I made it super easy for you guys. Scan the QR code on your screen right now. I'll take you directly to the Stamp Seat website. Uh, you can use promo code SIMPLY to get 15% off. Don't store the backup to your seed words on paper. Paper is prone to water damage. A dog could eat it. You want to store it. I want the strongest metals on planet Earth, titanium. So go to Stamp Seed today and use promo code SIMPLY to get 15% off anything on their website. At the time of recording, the Bitcoin price is 42,705 sats per dollar, 2,342 block height, 821,187 blocks to having 18,813 having estimate April 20th, 2024 total lightning network capacity, 5,018 Bitcoin capacity value, 214 million. Realized monetary inflation, 1.75%. The market capitalization of Bitcoin, $835 billion with a B. Gold versus, gold versus uh, Bitcoin versus gold market cap, 6.17%. That number is going to continue to crawl up because Bitcoin is superior to gold in every which way. Um, and I can't wait for that number to hit 100% and then plus 100. And we're going to look back on this a couple of years from now, Opti, and just be like, holy cow, remember when Bitcoin was sitting at 42K? So make sure to stack those sats. Uh, anyways, uh, we had Peter St. Ange on the show yesterday. Had an incredible uh, conversation. I titled the episode Bitcoin and Individualism. Uh, we went through the rabbit hole. I really, really liked that episode. Uh, big fan of it. So um, yeah, so what I want to talk about uh, today is this is actually something that we brought up in the conversation last night, which is I think a lot of people are very upset with what is going on. Like they're upset with um, the prices. They're accept. They're they and they 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 essentially what they do is that they take that that resentment that uh, that hurt to that economic pain, and then they point it at something. And what they pointed on is capitalism. They pointed on politicians. Uh, they pointed on on everything and anything. You know, Russia was like a good excuse for the current administration for a while. The supply chains, the pandemic. Uh, but what they never do is that they never uh, essentially they never blame themselves, but they're the ones solely responsible for what is happening. Right. The government printed a record amount of money during the pandemic, and that caused the prices of assets to skyrocket. And that caused the purchasing power of the dollar to plummet. So if you're in the lower middle classes and you are living paycheck to paycheck, essentially you're living on your salary, you got, you you feel poorer. If you're not making, you know, I would say, and of course, if you take their numbers for word, but I just don't believe that it's 3%. I think if you include everything, it's more like 10, 15%. Uh, if you're not making 10 to 15% more in, in your salary than you were making last year, which very few people are, uh, you are poor. You're making less, you're making less money. I know that the dollar amount stays the same, 
but the purchasing power definitely do doesn't go that far. Um, here's Wall Street Silver, and he says, is McDonald's pricing themselves out of the fast food market? Their reputation was for cheap food. People Now people are realizing that with higher minimum wages, 15 to $20 per hour, and high food costs, now McDonald's is costing as much as, um, uh, where is it? Now McDonald's is costing as much just as restaurants with higher perceived quality. There are tons of videos like this where people are just realizing that eating out is unaffordable. There's a huge percentage of the population that is being forced to skip eating out and start brown bagging it from home. Lots of fad food, fast food franchises and restaurants could be setting up for failure in the coming recession, right? And here is a video of someone just kind of ex like explaining their pain and suffering and kind of going through that. And it's really sad. But I mean, like we know the cause of this. When did McDonald's get so expensive? All right. So I don't eat at McDonald's on the regular like that. So I didn't I didn't know this happened. <laughs> so when I think of McDonald's, I think of dollar cheeseburger, a dollar hot and spicy, a dollar McChicken. So it's the first of the month. All the bills are paid, but I'm hungry. So I was like, you know, I'm going to McDonald's because in my mind, like I said, dollar cheeseburger, dollar McChicken. I get here and I order two cheeseburgers. And why were they each $3.29? I could have went to In-N-Out. I could have went to Chipotle. I could have went to Qdoba and paid the same thing for something actually nutritious and a little better. But I came here because I thought we were still rocking with that one, one dollar. One dollar and 15 cents. Now it's three. If I ask for sauce, are they going to charge me too? When did McDonald's get so... So, I mean, like, like, the reason I play you guys' this video is because these are people that perhaps are not awake to what's going on. Uh, clearly she's not awake. Like clearly she has no idea what's going on. Um, and then I just wanted to like point something out, which is like most of society thinks that way, right? Which is like the prices are just meant to go up. Um, like your purchasing power is just meant to go down. Like inflation is a fact of life. And that's really our battle. Like that's really where we have to, educate as Bitcoiners. It's not left versus right. You know, it's the party of green versus party of orange, the party of fiat this is what you're supporting. But if you've been saving in Bitcoin, actually, your life has gotten significantly cheaper. Over the last five years, if you've been saving in Bitcoin, the dollar has gotten 92% cheaper. Oil has gotten 85% cheaper. Gold, 84% cheaper. The S&P 500, 86% cheaper. A new home in the United States of America 78% cheaper, even with housing prices doubling and all this stuff, a new home is still cheaper. Like it's still cheap. If you've been saving in Bitcoin, it's cheaper. If you were saving in dollars, it's actually gotten significantly more expensive. Now, I've been living on a Bitcoin standard for a minute. So has Opti. I'm assuming Bitcoin Q&A has as well. He seems pretty based. Um, so, you know, imagine if the whole world switch to the standard. You wouldn't have videos like that. Even if the prices went up in dollar terms, in Bitcoin terms, McDonald's would have still been cheaper, right? Everything would have been cheaper. So like that's the power of saving in a deflationary currency that has absolute scarcity. And I think once the world wakes up to that, uh, I think we'll live in a much better world for it. But we still have a lot of work to do in the sense that we got a lot of people to wake up to this new reality because they're still stuck in the past. They're still stuck in that fiat past of elections and getting the right politician and power so that he fixes everything with his magic wand, where in reality, you have the power to 
fix it yourself. All you got to do is opt out. Of course, we encourage self-custody. We encourage you to run your own node um, and become sovereign. Opt out of political money because you're dealing with these issues because it's political money. Anyways, Bitcoin Q&A, what are your thoughts? And then we'll move on to Opti. Yeah, I think you, you covered it really well there. I mean, number one, she really likes McDonald's, doesn't she? Um, <laughs> but in all seriousness, yeah, you, you mentioned about the scarcity. I think it's a, it's a great time to to mention that because the, the world's going to have an even bigger shock this time, next, well, early, early next year, April, we've got the halving coming up. So there's going to be another supply shock to this to the system. And, you know, if, if uh, past performance is an indication of uh, future uh, happenings, then I guess uh, that can only mean one thing. Hopefully, if we're all if we're all right. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to to the halving and to see what the impact of that have on the, you know, the the uh, inflation schedule. Um, hopefully, it's going to do uh, one important thing. You're muted, Nico. You're muted. All right, sorry, I was muting myself because of the cough. I didn't want to interrupt Nico. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I brought it up and I had to do it. Um, Anyways, yeah, so, yeah, the halving is coming up next year, historic moment. I think, you know, half of the downside sell pressure just disappears overnight. Uh, it's very unique to Bitcoin. Historically, what tends to happen is about a year, nine months after the halving, the price of Bitcoin tends to moon. Let's see if it does that historically. Obviously, I'm biased. I think it absolutely will. I think this next bull market is going to, you know, blow some minds away, uh, to be honest, and I'm looking forward to it. Anyways, Opti, what, what, what are your thoughts on this, brother? Yeah. So, I mean, first and foremost, um, you know, hearing her kind of yell at McDonald's like it's McDonald's fault that there's no dollar menu just kind of shows that she fully doesn't understand the mechanisms of inflation. And of course, you know, we all would love to have a dollar menu at anywhere. Uh, it's it's not their fault that they have to raise prices. Like everything's getting more expensive because they are printing obscene amounts of money everywhere around the world. So this is just the cost of where we are right now, and the fact that people don't understand what's going on. And I was legitimately having this conversation with a friend the other day. Remember when there was like ninety nine cent stores? And like you could go in and buy stuff for like a dollar. Now I'm pretty sure that everything in those 99 cent stores aren't a dollar anymore. And it just goes to show like how bad inflation has really gotten. But really that most people don't understand how inflation works or, or where it comes from. And, and you can tell that they don't because we're still getting gaslit on television of where inflation really comes from. And they would only be able to get away with that if people didn't understand how inflation really works yet. You know, we do our best here every single day to try to wake people up. Our, our channel's too small. Our platform's too small to really wake up all of the world. But inflation is pretty simple. They are expanding the money supply. They're printing up scenes amount of money. That's why things are getting more expensive. And like Peter St. On said, you know, uh, they'll blame capitalism for this, but they'll be really, really bad or pissed off when capitalism goes away. It'll get way worse. But as you mentioned, you know, as I was talking to my friend about like, wow, 99 cent stores, they used to be able to buy things for a dollar. Now you can't. And then we kind of laughed and we're like, well, you know, at least we're on the Bitcoin standard. Our lives are getting cheaper. And it, I just it really blows my mind that people are out there and they're still just living on the dollar. Like I, I can only imagine how expensive it is for an average person that isn't a Bitcoiner. You know, like my life has only improved since I've been on the Bitcoin standard. And it just blows my mind that people are still living on the fiat standard. And, and I'm sure the stress that comes with it is unbearable. And that's why we're seeing what we're seeing in the world. And so many people freak out is because, hey, they don't understand it. They're feeling it. 
and they're getting poorer and they don't know that there's solutions to this. And as Bitcoiners, we're like, guys, uh, you just need to save in Bitcoin and your life will get easier. And like Q&A was saying, you know, we'll see how this plays out in roughly April when the halving happens and it's going to get crazy. But as a Bitcoiner, it's only going to get better. So just just love to be just love to be on this side of the aisle because I, I can only imagine how pissed off I would be if I was also just living paycheck to paycheck on the fiat standard. 100 percent, dude. Um, anyways, I do want to give a shout out to everybody watching us on all the different platforms, whether you're watching us on YouTube, on Rumble, on Twitter, watching us live. Uh, we appreciate you all. The audience has been growing. If you guys are enjoying the content, make sure to smash that like button. It really helps with the algos. Uh, currently, we are sitting at 83 likes on YouTube. Help us break 100 likes within the first hour. And of course, our podcast audience is listening to the audio-only version of the show. Uh, apparently, we have been having some issues. If that's the case, please let us know. Please reach out to us. We're, we've been trying to fix it the last couple of weeks. Uh, but anyways, before we get on to the culture to talk about uh, to talk to Bitcoin Q&A, I do want to give a shout out to our sponsor. Bitcoin 2024, are you tired of like not understanding the people around you? Do you want to surround yourself with other Bitcoiners that think like you? Are you tired of being ostracized in your own community because everyone looks at you like this crazy Bitcoiner? The Bitcoin conference is for you. There's a lot of people in this world that think and see the way the world that see the way see the world the way that you do. You'd be surprised. I was surprised the first time I went to a Bitcoin conference. It was Surfer Jim that convinced me I had to go. And then I realized there was a whole army of people that thought like me. And this army is growing by the day. When I'm talking about people that thought like me, I'm talking about Bitcoiners. So I highly recommend the Bitcoin conference. It's, it's going to be the largest conference of the year, Bitcoin 2024, in Nashville, Tennessee, July 25th through the 27th. You do want to get your tickets quickly before prices go up. For a GA ticket, it's $349. For an industry pass, it gives you access to three days of the conference. If you're trying to get a job in the industry, I highly recommend the industry pass. You can get it for $1,099. For a VIP pass, that gives you access to the deep backstage VIP lounge, premium seating and VIP viewing, all-inclusive premium food, open bar and coffee bar. I highly recommend the whale pass for $4,999. You definitely don't want to miss the, big, the biggest Bitcoin conference of the year. Bitcoin 2024. Use promo code SIMPLY to get yourself a big discount. Everybody, let's get on to the culture so we can talk to Bitcoin Q&A. The Daily Culture. Brought to you by SwanBitcoin.com. Swan is the best way to build your Bitcoin stack with automated Bitcoin savings plans and instant purchases serving clients of any size from $10 to $10 million. We love Swan because they incentivize self-custody and dollar cost averaging. What are you waiting for? Visit SwanBitcoin.com today. All right. I do want to give a shout out to the Pacific Bitcoin Festival. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Opti and I went last year. It's, it's, I would say, the best Bitcoin festival. It's in Los Angeles, California. Definitely don't want to miss it. They rent out a hangar at an airport. It's absolutely badass. Last year's speakers included Jimmy Song, Lynn Alden, Greg Foss, Alex Gladstein, Corey Clipson, Preston Pitch, Stacey Herbert, Max Geiser, and Stefan Levera. There's going to be some awesome speakers this year. Opti and I are also going to be there. You don't want to miss the Pacific Bitcoin Festival in Los Angeles. Highly, highly recommend it. It's freaking awesome. Get your tickets quickly before the prices go up. 
Anyways, Opti, uh, we're going to talk about some bullshit today, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. So, guys, uh, we had intended for today's culture. <laughs> with we're Bitcoin still going to do it. Yeah, we're yeah. So I'm it. just going to tell I'm going to tell everyone, guys, we want we wanted to do a Q&A so you guys could ask Q&A about foundation. So I already see some of you guys dropping some questions in the chat. Drop some questions. We will get to them eventually. But. We w- it would be a missed opportunity if we didn't talk about what's going on with Ledger. So I'm just going to show the tweet here because you guys in the chat don't know what's going on with Ledger. So here's Ledger's tweet. This came out this morning at uh, 7.31 a.m. And Ledger tweeted out, we have identified and removed a malicious version of the Ledger Connect Kick. A uh, genuine version is being pushed to replace the malicious file now. Do not interact with any dApps for the moment. We will keep you informed as the situation evolves. Your Ledger device and Ledger Live were not compromised. Uh, QNA, what is going on here? Um, what is happening? Maybe do a little TLDR on the latest Ledger debacle. We don't have to get into all of Ledger's debacles in the last couple of years. But what happened this morning? And uh, what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, pretty wild situation. And I love dunking on our competitors, uh, especially when it's Ledger. Um, just I do, uh, in fairness, want to make one quick correction that one of you guys said at the very top of the of the show where it was uh, alluded to the fact that this was a compromise in the Ledger device itself. Now, that's not strictly true. Uh, and I'll get into the details why, but I just wanted to make that, make that clear. Um, but now I'm going to continue to dunk on Ledger. So... Um, one of the main reasons that uh, people buy ledgers is uh, they like to uh, mess around with shit coins, um, probably on the Ethereum network. Um, and a lot of the ways that these Ethereum applications are also known as dApps, quote unquote, decentralized apps, uh, they have like a, a web access that you can um, go to a, a website like MetaMask or something like that um, to interact with all of your various different uh, monkey JPEGs and shit coins and all that sort of stuff. Um, Ledger has like a, 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 a an interaction with that uh, in the form of like a, a button that allows you to connect uh, your Ledger to this web service, um, and there was a dependency within that service to, today that got uh, compromised, such that when you thought you were you know interacting with whatever crap it, you thought you were uh, interacting with, um, what was actually happening was that your wallet was being drained to an attacker's uh, address. Um, which is obviously not desirable. Um, So this could have technically uh, affected uh, non-Ledger users if you were also interacting with this kind of web service because that's where the vulnerability was. But obviously, as we know, most people who do this kind of stuff tend to uh, gravitate towards Ledger because they are a big name in the industry. Um, So there's a couple of uh, caveat points to this that um, didn't, let's say, protect the users (laughs) as well as I would have liked uh, from looking at it from through a hardware wallet manufacturer lens. When you interact with this sort of stuff, um, the way that the user kind of authorizes the transaction is there's basically a button on the ledger that says, do you want to take this action? So there's no verification of uh, you're going to send X amount of SAT or ETH or whatever to this address and here's how much change you're going to get and are you happy? It's just a case of uh, do you want to take this action? Yes or no? So the, the user had no way to verify what was actually going on with the transaction that was subsequently draining all of their shit coins to, to an attacker. Um, so even if the user was being super vigilant, the way that this is set up with Ledger and, and the web services means that you wouldn't have been able to, te- to detect it anyway, just because of the way their architecture is. And um, even if Ledger 
did want to, I guess, uh, try and get the users to verify all of the Ethereum smart contract crap on that tiny little screen that they have. Like, it's not going to happen. You'd be scrolling on that tiny little click, click wheel for about three weeks before you verified everything. And even then, it probably wouldn't be in a format that most of us could read and actually do anything useful with. <clears throat> so um, how did this kind of uh, web service get uh uh, I guess, compromised. Uh, they are saying that a former employee, now it's not clear whether he was a former employee when this happened or whether he's now a former employee because it happened. Uh, my guess, guess is probably the latter. Um, had uh, Was basically uh, subject to a phishing attack um, and his access to one of the, the dependencies that uh, supported this web service was compromised. And then the attacker has kind of injected the malware from there, such that any customers that are subsequently interacting with the web service um, were unknowingly getting all of their uh, monkey JPEGs stolen. Um, so the, the users were kind of up shit creek without a paddle here because they had no way to, to kind of, you know, catch this by looking and verifying on their uh, supposedly secure hardware wallet in the way that we would typically do uh, as Bitcoiners, where we look at the transaction details and we we confirm that, yes, this is the address that I'm sending to, uh, this is how much I'm sending, and this is how much change I'm going to get, and this is how much I'm going to pay in fees. Like that just doesn't exist in the Ethereum applicate in, in the Ethereum kind of ecosystem, and, and definitely not when you interact with it via a ledger either. So, uh, yeah, uh, I will be clear and say that they have now patched this. Uh, in fairness, they seem to have done it within like four hours. Um, and it's completely unclear at the moment how much, uh, how many monkey JPEGs were lost in this tragedy. Um, but uh, I'm sure that will <laughs> come out uh, in the woodwork over the course of the next couple of weeks. But uh, yeah, that's that's the, the kind of TLDR on what went down today. Dude, that's absolutely <laughs> that's absolutely hilarious. Uh, poor monkey JPEGs. I mean, I don't like to dance on people's graves, but uh, man, that's. I mean, we say on the show all the time, producer Jacob says it all the time, don't shitcoin, it's bad for you. Uh, clearly, you know, I, I think this is what we mean as Bitcoiners. I think you, you've been burnt. Um, you've been burnt so many times that you just kind of start to learn your effing lesson, you know, after a while. So anyways, um, I do want to pull up uh, Bitcoin Q&A's uh, screen so we can talk about uh, Envoy and uh, some some passport stuff. Whenever you're ready, brother. Yeah, sorry guys, I, I'm on uh, Brave browser and it seems to be blocking it at the moment. So if you could fill just quickly for me, sorry about this. Yeah, no worries. Uh, so I would recommend going on Google Chrome, um, and that should work. Yeah, I could, I could pull it up. Uh, okay. So anyways, um, yeah, it's, uh, the, the ledger thing is just a, just an effing disaster. Um, but I oh mean, it's such a shame. It's what happens when you, when you deal with shit coins. Um, yeah. Bitcoin Q and A is going to be right back. Oh, Pulling nice. Up okay. The passport website. Um, but yeah, man, this is the envoy, uh, to put, to read the description. Uh, a simple Bitcoin wallet with powerful account management management and privacy features use alongside your passport for setup, firmware updates, and more. Of course, this is the passport. Highly recommend it here at Simply. Awesome hardware wallet. Completely open source. I think they have Snake on it uh, too, believe it or not. So highly recommend this wallet. Uh, check the link in the video description. Bitcoin Q&A is back. Um, 
So welcome back, my friend. And he shared his screen. Here we go. There we go. Okay. So can you hear me, guys? All right. Yeah, yeah. we got you, bro. We, loud okay. and clear. Screen share should be coming in a second from my iPhone. All being well. Is that working? Yeah, it is yes, working. Sir. Oh, beautiful. Uh, yeah, so I thank you for the opportunity to do some Envoy shilling. Uh, I am very excited about this. Um, so Envoy uh, is our uh, open source mobile application uh, that is um, a standalone mobile wallet for your traditional day-to-day -day spends for smaller amounts and also acts as a companion application for your Passport as well. Uh, for those that don't know, Passport is our air-gapped hardware wallet, although I'm sure regular watchers of the show will uh, be quite okay with that right by now. Uh, but you definitely don't need a passport to, to use Envoy, um, and we offer the, the easiest mobile wallet experience on the market, in my humble opinion. Um, newer users uh, can leverage our magic setup. Uh, Nika, you were talking earlier about like, us, uh, us at Foundation trying to make uh, self-custody uh, ready for the masses, um, and we think we're about as close as you can get uh, in terms of an onboarding sequence. Uh, so if our, uh, any new users can leverage our what we call magic setup, where you can quite literally go from zero to installing the app and having a mobile wallet that is uh, ready to transact and automatically backed up to your chosen cloud service uh, in under 30 seconds or around five taps. Um, all you need to do, um, sorry, so yeah, what that means is that if you lose your phone uh, and as a typical normal, you have zero <laughs> manual backups of your seed, all you'd need to do is sign in with your cloud account uh, on a new phone, re-download the Envoy app uh, and hey presto all of your stuff is recovered now it's all well and good me kind of saying that but i'm just gonna so here i have a fully populated envoy wallet where ready for some demonstration but i want to demonstrate a point here where let's say <laughs> my phone is stolen or i accidentally delete the app oops uh so let's say i've just bought myself a new phone i'm going to reinstall the envoy app Obviously, this is a test flight version, uh, but also that you you would tradi traditionally do is go to the App Store, uh, search for Envoy, and reinstall. So you're thinking at this point, shit, I've lost all my Bitcoin. I uh, didn't have a seed backup because I'm an idiot. Uh, well, that's not the case with Envoy. All you need to do is re-download, get to the open screen, tap Setup, choose how you want. Wait for a couple of seconds. Everything's there automatically. No that's manual crazy. backups, no nothing. And that, what was that, like 10 seconds? Yep. Yeah. So that, that, so I'm assuming this is iCloud, right? iCloud, if you're an iPhone user and uh, Google, uh, well, it's called Android Auto Backup if you're a, a, an Android user. Yeah. Completely optional, I will add. Uh, so there's probably going to be people listening to this going, oh, I don't like the sound of uh, cloud backups and things like that. And to, to be clear, the only stuff that is backed up here is, is uh, in terms of private key material, is your... Um, mobile wallet seed, which is encrypted before we send it off to, to Apple or to Google. Um, but there are going to be people there that, you know, that's just not uh, okay for them, which is absolutely fine. Um, so if you wanted to not use any of the magic stuff, uh, we, of course, will allow users to come in and, and just take the manual setup where they can import their own seed or they can just generate a new seed on the device and just have that stored locally. Then they can go and, you know, make their traditional seed word backup, stamp that into steel, store it wherever they want uh, as you would typically do with a traditional mobile wallet so we've got both people or both of, of those types of users covered um, and we think that envoy can kind of grow with you so if you're just starting out and you you're inevitably going to make mistakes um, or you're orange pilling some friends and family 
maybe go down the uh, the kind of magic setup route, let them see the magic of it in 30 seconds or just a couple of taps. And then they can, you know, disconnect that cloud connection in the future if they wanted to, and then be more sovereign from then on. Um, you know, you can kind of choose your journey with this. So super um, excited about that. And, and hopefully as the world starts to wake up and learn about it, uh, it should become the perfect orange pilling tool, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, it's 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 very convenient. It kind of reminds me a little bit of Wallet of Satoshi. I think XX has a question, and you know, so so your seed phrase is recorded somewhere other than with me. So I think what Bitcoin Q and A said is that your mobile key is backed up to the cloud. Obviously, your key on your hardware wallet remains on your hardware wallet. It's an air gapped hardware wallet. Um, and then another thing is Bitcoin Q and A. I mean, uh, um, oh, dude, I'm losing my memory. Holy cow. Um, I'm sorry, getting over the Vegas virus. Um, no, but it was a, it was an important question. Yeah. I mean, statement, uh, this is completely optional. So you don't have to do this if you don't want to, this is just like, you know, if you're getting into Bitcoin, there's something about the convenience, like wallet of Satoshi is incredibly convenient. Of course you understand the trade-offs and stuff like that, but you know, this is making it convenient. So people aren't shook or aren't scared of self-custody. It's kind of like easing your way into it. Um, so that's very cool. Uh, here is, um, here is, uh, toxic. Sophie says, uh, simply Bitcoin. Can Mr. Q and a please explain in a little complicated way how they do a secure cloud backup? Yeah, very good. Uh, good question. So the way that it works is we generate, when you tap the magic setup, you, uh, we generate a, a, a seed using the, uh, random number generator on your phone. That is stored locally on the secure element of your phone. And if you choose the, the magic backup, we will encrypt the, the private key and then send it off to a secure, the secure portion of your cloud storage. So as I said, with, with Android, that's called Android Auto Backup. Uh, we've got links to all this in our documentation if you really want to get into the nitty gritty. Um, and with iCloud, it's stored in what's called your iCloud keychain. Now, this isn't like a typical part of your like Google Drive or your iCloud keychain where you can kind of go on log in on your computer and go and look at that like it's a hidden uh, access thing that only specific applications can can have access to. Um, but even if there was a rogue uh, Apple employee or Google employee, because of this uh, private key material is encrypted, like all I see is an encrypted blob. So even if your cloud account is compromised, then, then you, the private key itself is not compromised because they cannot break the encryption. The other cool part about uh, the, the magic backup setup is that we use the what we call the hash of your private key uh, as an identifier on uh, our server so that we can store all of what we call your metadata um, on our servers without having to know who you are, where you live, or anything about you at all. So um, when you do this setup, we send a hash to our server, um, and then we can store uh, all of your metadata. So what metadata is, is like all of the, the additional accounts that you can see, if you add any that you can see on screen there. Uh, if I go in and add any notes or tags or change any of the, the names of my devices here, um, all of that sort of additional stuff, uh, as well as app settings and all that is all stored in an encrypted blob um, on our servers. And that's what allows us, when you saw me do that quick recovery earlier, we basically uh, see that you're logged into your iCloud we pull down your seed because you've logged in, you've authenticated. And then we uh, locally on Envoy, we hash that private key again and then ping that to our server. Um, and we obviously cross-reference that with a list of all of these like random hashes that we've got. And if we find a match, then we'll send all of that encrypted metadata back to you. And the end result for you as a user is that, as you saw earlier, in a couple of taps, you 
your Envoy app is as if you never left it. Yeah, and, and again, like for the for you know the initial, like you make so much mistakes in the beginning. Self custody is like this daunting. Like in in practice, on a conceptual basis, it's so straightforward. But in practice, uh, a lot of things happen. Like I, I never forget the first time you recover a wallet and that that wallet has some Bitcoin on it. You're like, holy cow! You know, did I lose my Bitcoin? And your 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 heart skips a beat. You know, so this is. Uh, essentially making it easier for for you know people their onboarding experience and then as time goes by I suspect people will value more and more sovereignty you know they'll they'll uh, they'll disconnect themselves more and more and more and more but initially you don't most people in my experience that's not what they go through we do have a question from uh, Dr. Nikamoto FM this questions for foundation I know you can have multiple accounts on a single seed phrase but can you have multiple seed phrases on a single passport? Oh, very good question. Uh, the short answer is no. Uh, <laughs> you can only have one master seed uh, loaded into the device that's able to kind of uh, sign transaction to any one time. Um, although you can uh, access different uh, wallets or sub wallets um, in, in using various different tips and uh, tools and techniques. So you've alluded to you, you can have different account level segregation, uh, which is absolutely correct and one of my favorite features. And you can actually see that in practice on, on screen here. So you can see all my different passport accounts. Like all of these are linked to the exact same device, but they're all completely separate sub wallets. Um, they, they're all controlled by the single same private key. Um, but to answer the, the question more specifically around different uh, actual kind of, I guess, uh, high level wallets, then the way that you would do that with our device currently is that you'd need to use additional passphrases. Um, so each additional passphrase that you applied to your seed words would create a brand new wallet with its own list of accounts and addresses. And you can do that. You know, there's an infinite number of different passphrases that you can use. Now, there are some caveats with doing that because um, with each subsequent passphrase wallet that you use and that you populate with some sats, you're going to need to uh, create additional backups for those. Um, so yeah, it's not like there are like additional things that you need to kind of consider when you do that. And that's why we consider that as more of an advanced option. Uh, but yes, in the future, um, I think the, the question, I forget who you said asked it, but was probably alluding to the fact of the way that what we call stateless uh, signing devices operate. So a seed signer is a perfect example of this where it doesn't store your private key material when it's switched off so that you can kind of load in any seed words whenever you want, which has its pros and cons. Uh, obviously, the main pro is, of course, that you can switch between wallets very, very quickly. Um, so yeah, the short answer would, would uh, be, you know, just a single seed at any one time. However, um, it takes like 30 seconds to erase the device and then you can um, restore via your seed words or, or via a seed QR in the exact same way that seed signer or a blockstream Jade would. So to actually switch the master seed in the device will take you about 60 seconds. Um, so you can actually achieve that if you want to. Very, very cool. So Keith says when restoring the encrypted key in the cloud, how did, how is it decrypted when it gets back on the device, Apple or Google account credential? So there's a security element on your iPhone. It's one of the best, uh, especially if you get the latest and greatest iPhones. They make incredible security elements for these mobile devices just because the market is so big. So I for the for the iPhone, I think maybe Google does it differently, but for iPhone, it gets decrypted on the device. Is that right? Is that correct or wrong, Bitcoin QA? 
Uh, no, I think you're correct. I, I will hold my hands up at this point and say that you know we're at the 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 limits of my technical knowledge as to the the nuts and bolts of how where and how the encryption is taking place. Um, we've got links to it and how it's covered in our documentation uh, at docs.foundationdevices.com if you want to really get under the skin of that sort of stuff. But uh, yeah, yeah, would absolutely hold my hand up and say you know we're at my technical limits here. So the the uh, the the pin on your iPhone, that's the password to your phone, right? That essentially locks, that opens and closes the device. Uh, that is like the equivalent of a computer password. It's the same thing. Um, so yeah, but I mean, that's that's an excellent question. Um, and uh, so, yeah, and then the, this device, I mean, like I, I, like I would have more questions for you, but that was fast as fuck, bro. This is what I got to say. Yeah, I, I, well, if we've got if we've got time, or there's no more questions, I, I, no, can, it, I can show about the, uh, the the coin control stuff. So we recently Wait, can you, released. Can you go uh, back? Could, could you go back for a sec? I just noticed something on the app. So so you can connect to your own node through there, right? So like absolutely. I have a I have a start nine, uh, you know, server peer. Uh, I can connect to it via Tor and all that stuff to my to my app on my phone, right? Hundred percent. Yep. Tor That's or awesome. locally, um, and you can actually do it via scanning a QR code. So some of these no projects, um, like Umbrella, I'm not familiar with Start9 whether they do that, but some of them will uh, represent your Electrum server um, address as a QR code. So rather than having to like type in, you know, a horrible onion address or copy and paste it from your laptop to your phone or anything like that, if there's a QR code available, you can just connect with the scan. Like super simple, you can do that in seconds. Yeah. A hundred percent. All right. So what was it that you wanted to show us? Yeah. So as part of, uh, we just recently released Envoy 1. version 1.4, uh, which brought in a host of cool uh, improvements. Uh, the first one you're already looking at is our privacy screen where you can, as we've just talked about, you can connect to your own uh, node via an Electrum server. You can turn on Tor connections or turn them off and just, you know, uh, as you see fit there. And you're also talking about pin and biometrics here. You can also add that at the application level. So, you know, if, if you have got all of your uh, passport accounts here and you leave your phone laying around, like you don't really want somebody to pick up your phone and be able to see them. Um, so if you wanted to uh, turn on the pin, biometrics, face ID, whatever, uh, whatever you want, you can kind of add that extra layer of security there as well. But the, the main bit that I'm super excited about is full coin control uh, within uh, the Envoy application. So... Um, a very quick primer, I guess, on what coin control is. Um, so your Bitcoin wallet balance is, is compromised of many pieces or smaller pieces of Bitcoin that are called coins. Um, although these coins can often be referred to, I guess, by the technical community as UTXOs or unspent transaction outputs. And how many coins that you have in your wallet and the size of each of them uh, depends entirely on how you've used the wallet in the past, you know, what type of transactions you've sent and received. Um, so when any amount of Bitcoin is transacted from uh, Alice to Bob, uh, the amount will be compromised of uh, one or more coins from the sender's wallet. Um, and in the context of a transaction, these coins are known as inputs. So uh, if a sender creates the spend just by simply, you know, typing in an amount like this, wait, then let me go here and I just go to send and then I just go like this and then paste an address then that's what we call like just a, a simple or a naive spend where the wallet is going to be choosing which of those coins um, are going to be used as part of that transaction. Now, a lot of people listening to this might not care, which is absolutely fine. And, you know, we we will always support that type of behavior because a lot of people just want to enter an amount, say, pay opti this much, send, job done. Gotcha, man. That... But uh, 
that there, there is um, a more advanced bit called coin control where we now allow the user to, uh, at a granular level, pick which of those coins they want to be included in the transaction, which can be beneficial from a privacy perspective. So we've surfaced this now where you can go in and I can see in this account, I've got 1.3 million sats and that is comprised of these four coins here and you can see the amounts. Um, and it's super simple to be able to spend from a specific one or multiple. I literally just open this, turn them on like that. You see the bottom sheet pop up and then I just go send selected. So I've then told the wallet, okay, uh, I only want you to spend from these two coins. So you can um, get a great level of granularity in terms of your spends uh, with just a couple of taps. Like people are often like, oh, coin control is really difficult. And our whole uh, agenda with this was to make it super simple so that, you know, if you if you don't care about coin control, you don't have to see it. You just do the simple spend, like I said before, where you just type the amount and press send. But if you are... Um, a bit of a weirdo like me and you like to name all of your your coins and give them pet names and stuff then you can go ahead and do that and be as advanced as you want that is that is we do have we just sorry to keep cutting you off we do have an in-between um uh kind of happy medium uh which we're also super proud of which is called tags so tags are a quick way of categorizing your Basically, you know, I alluded to giving them pet names, but it's probably quite a good example here is there you go. See, I'm, so I've, I've got an, a demo account here called Kids Inheritance. So this is where I'm keeping uh, my uh, make-believe kids uh, inheritance and I've given them each each name. So I've gone into my, uh, my coin list that comprises of my balance, which is 5.8 million sats in this example. And I've gone, right, okay, Alice can have these two coins um, and I'm going to put those into the Alice tag. So I know that they're theirs, they're hers and these are the Bob coins. Uh, and those are his. So what I can do now is uh, what I am sort of calling uh, lazy coin control, uh, although you won't see that in any of our marketing speak because it's probably not great marketing speak, to be honest with you. But what I can do, rather than having to go and pick all of my individual coins, which most people are like, oh, you know, I can't be bothered to do that. That's just too much hassle. I can just go, all right, uh, I know that Bob's coins uh, are only belonging to Bob and Bob is, I'm making this transaction on Bob's behalf. Or another example would be, Instead of it being called Bob, this could be my no KYC tag where I know all the coins in there are private and I want to keep them segregated from all of my non -K uh, sorry, all of my KYC coins. So I'm going to be like, okay, I want to send Opti a tip uh, and I want it to come from my Bob tag. So rather than having to go right into the details, I can just come into here, turn that on and just press send. And then the wallet will just make that send for me. And then I can just go ahead, tap send selected, see how much I want to tip Opti and then the wallet will do the rest. So it's the equivalent of saying, right, um, make this spend to Opti, but only choose from these coins. But rather than having to pick them all individually, you're just saying, right, pick from that basket over there. So you've got like a happy medium where you don't have to be, oh, sorry about that, guys, where you don't have to be a super hacker man like many would consider me. And then you, but you also don't have to be, you know, do the super naive uh, spend as well. So once again, we're trying to cover cater to all parties such that you can kind of choose your own journey with 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 Envoy and make it as simple or as complex as you would like. It, it's so cool. And I, coin control is just so important for, you know, privacy reasons. I love how you phrase it there. I personally have a folder called uh, Get Opti Off the Streets. Um, if you guys <laughs> want to donate it, donate to that uh, stack. You can check us out on Geyser or you can check out the address down below and uh, donate to the get off, uh, get Opti off the streets address. Uh, let's get him off, you know, there we go. Boom. Okay, here we go. 
Get off the off the streets. Fifteen thousand sats. Fifteen thousand sats, bro. <laughs> Generational wealth. Uh, <laughs> no, but dude, that is absolutely incredible. It's really cool. And again, I love that you guys made it intuitive. Um, I, I love that you guys made it like more like if people are used to dealing with their bank app and like you know that's how they're used to interacting with money. Um, it's it's kind of intuitive. You know, bank apps aren't exactly the, the prettiest, um, but they're pretty straightforward. Um, and Bitcoin wallets, I love them as much as I love them and whatever, you know, um, a lot of them aren't straightforward, especially if you're, you know, going from one thing to the other. Uh, so I love what you guys did here. It's really, really cool. Uh, this is a great example. And you guys actually offer a concierge service, right? Uh, if someone buys a hardware wallet and, uh, they're just not familiar with it, uh, you guys offer that, right? Yeah, we certainly do. Uh, that is, um, am I still? Yeah, you've killed my screen, sir. Thank you for that, guys. Uh, yeah, that is a service that I run personally. Um, so basically, yeah, we if you buy a, a device from us, um, and you're this might be your first ever hardware wallet, or this is you know, or it's you're just not sure and you're not fully confident in the setup process, and you would see some great value in uh, having a helping hand. Uh, yeah, you can book yourself onto a, an hour long concierge uh, slot with me, where we just hop onto a Jitsi chat. Um, and I'll basically just hold your hand across the whole setup from turning the device onto the first time all the way through all of the security procedures, all of the seed generation, all of the seed backups, um, all the way through until the end result is that you are connected with um, your Envoy wallet or well, it doesn't have to be Envoy wallet. You know, if you want to choose Nunchuk or Sparrow or Blue or whatever you want, like, the, the, you know, you, once again, you can choose your own journey. Uh, that is a service that we offer and, yeah, is absolutely the highlight of my job because I get to meet uh meet some uh, really cool people and hear their backgrounds and uh, get to help them, you know, take those first steps into self-custody. So very cool. And I'm you know, very happy. That's part of my job. That's very, very cool. And, and, and that is like extremely important uh, because a lot of people, and I know Ben offers this as well, BTC sessions, uh, but it's very important because again, you have to think about it from the fiat matrix. A lot of people, this is completely new to them. The idea of taking self-custody of their wealth it's an extremely radical idea. Uh, you can make a lot of mistakes. Uh, so that's really, really awesome that you guys offer that. Uh, anyways, Opti, any final questions before we move on to the news? No, I just wanted to add that I think these latest updates on Envoy absolutely beautiful. Uh, great, great stuff, guys. You guys are doing a good job over there because, you know, Nico hit it the other day where he's like, man, taking custody of your Bitcoin. I know for us, it's so simple. Like we've been doing it for so long, but for an average person, it's like, it's like learning Chinese or something. It's, and, and not only that, but it's terrifying because if you mess up, there goes all of your coins. So I think you guys are doing a great job. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I agree with that. Anyway, I do want to give a shout out to our sponsor, uh, Kaboom Racks. Uh, they're the most trusted place to buy and sell mining equipment. You can scan the QR code right now. It'll take you directly to the, their Telegram marketplace, or you can connect with a member of their sales team. They make purchasing their products easy and transparent. What about selling mining equipment? You could absolutely do that with Kaboom Racks. Access their vast network of domestic and international customers when you sell your mining equipment with them. Guys, if you're trying to build a Bitcoin mine, start your mining utopia, you got to check out Kaboom Racks, the best place to stack those racks. Anyway, scan the QR code, check them out today. You can also see the link in the video description. Anyways, let's get to the news. The Daily News. I wanna give a shout out to our sponsor, Foundation Devices. 
It's self-custody done right. They built a premium grade hardware wallet called Passport right here in the US. It's fully open source and verifiable. It's the most intuitive Bitcoin wallet designed with a UX reminiscent of a simple feature phone. So you will know how to navigate it and use it the moment you pick it up. Get your Bitcoin off exchanges and into your, into your own hands in just a few minutes. Experience the peace of mind that comes with taking ownership of your own keys. After a massive sellout during Bitcoin Miami 2023, the Passport is back in stock at foundationdevices.com. Bitcoin only, open source verifiable, completely air gap security model, gorgeous design craft, premium grade materials. If you're thinking about getting your Bitcoin off exchanges, this is the one for you. Check out the Passport link in the show notes below to learn more. Guys, I made it super easy for you guys. You could scan the QR code on your screen right now. It'll take you directly to the Passport Foundation Devices website where you can get yourself a Passport hardware wallet. Remember guys, not your keys, not your Bitcoin at Simply Bitcoin. We recommend Passport Foundation. Anyways, um, so the big news of today, um, and it is very, very big news, and the fact that it's happening when it's happening is a big effing deal, especially if you're a boltard. Um, and it is the idea that uh, the FASB votes in favor of fair accounting for Bitcoin. This is a massive deal. Um, and I know it sounds a little bit complicated, but essentially the way that the accounting rules work today is that you can't properly account if you're a public company and you're holding Bitcoin on your balance sheet, you can't properly account for losses. So it actually is like kind of like a de-incentive to hold something like Bitcoin. And this was one of the three things that Michael Saylor said needed to happen in order for Bitcoin to hit $5 million a coin. I'll play you the recording in a second, but first I do want to get uh, the Chad Saylor's thoughts uh, because this did happen yesterday. So it says FASB has officially adopted fair value accounting for Bitcoin for fiscal years beginning after December 15, 2024. This upgrade to accounting standards will facilitate the adoption of Bitcoin as a treasury reserve asset by corporations worldwide. Adam Back says this is great news for corporations to have the, the fair value of their Bitcoin treasury represented in their accounts. Um, here is uh, James Lavish. He like explained it. But as you could tell, the community was extremely happy about this. All that hard work starting to pay off with new rules and policies, Bitcoin Archive. Uh, so, you know, Louis Liu, here's the up-to-date Bitcoin Treasury Advisor for those who look for simple insight into new FASB accounting rule. Um, and here is the article by Bitcoin Magazine, who was written by our homie, Nick, can't mind. Um, and the article headline is Bitcoin and crypto to be measured at fair value under new FASB rules. Today, the, Fair, the Financial Accounting Standards Board announced new rules that will require companies to account for cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin at fair value. The rules are set to go into effect on December 15, 2024, but companies will be able to apply them earlier than that. Under the new guidelines, which are the first of their kind in the United States, businesses will need to disclose the value of cryptocurrencies based on their market prices at the end of each reporting period. This, moves, this move aims to provide greater transparency and accuracy in financial reporting, acknowledging the volatile nature of digital assets like Bitcoin. Previously, the old treatment accounted for Bitcoin as an intangible asset, which meant if the price went lower than what companies bought it for, they had to take an impairment charge on their books, even if they didn't sell. But if the price went up, they couldn't receive any benefit on their books unless they sold. Now with fair value accounting, periodically, companies can report the unrealized gains and losses to get an actual benefit on their books if the price of the assets increase without having to sell it to capture it. 
This could make companies more likely to add Bitcoin to their balance sheet and become long-term holders as they can report the appreciation without having to sell anything. That is big effing, that's a big effing deal, right? Because you couldn't report that. So like it was kind of like a de-incentive as a public company to buy Bitcoin. It's almost as if they were like punish you somehow. I know we weren't, they weren't doing it on purpose, but you know, it, it is a big incentive. So this is a big change. And this is one of the three things that Michael Saylor said needed to happen in order for my, for Bitcoin to uh, hit $5 million per coin. So let's check it out. Here we go. The catalyst for that 10X, is it really is the moment that JP Morgan Chase or, or other big money center banks can custody these for large corporates. That's it. That's the sea change because there's really no reason why they shouldn't be diversifying the assets on their balance sheet. Is that is that your take? Because I know that like Tim Cook, I don't know where it came from earlier this week. He said something like, ah, I own some Bitcoin, but we have no designs on anything. Or I don't know if he said Bitcoin or crypto in general. Is that the thing? And then, and then I, the, I uh, think the, there's the three just, big... Look, first of all, it's going up by a factor of 10, whether they fix any of the stuff, right? It's going to go a lot. It's going to be a grind up by a factor of 10, just because gold is broken and Bitcoin's going to replace gold. And now everybody in the universe knows they need a non-sovereign store of value in the form of a bearer instrument. So now they're looking the the amount of stories for last year, people said inflation may be coming. We're not sure. Now the mainstream narrative is flipped to inflation is here. You need an inflation hedge. So it's going to grind up to replace gold. It'll go to $500,000 a coin, regardless of whether they fix these things. But there are three things that are massive catalysts that cause an acceleration. And I don't think that those three things don't take us to 500,000. They take us to 5 million a coin, right? Those three things are a spot ETF where someone can go ahead and buy $100 million of Bitcoin by a security, an ETF security. I think that's one. Two is your bank is gonna custody it for you and lend against it. And three is uh, I can mark it up or mark it down on my balance sheet based on fair value. Parapasu, it'll be parapasu to the way I'd handle Apple stock or at least that good. If it's if you have property with fair value accounting, by the way, it becomes parapasu to the way you'd handle treasury bonds on a treasury balance sheet. Treasuries are better than stocks because treasury is property, whereas a stock is a security and you're capped out at 40 percent of your balance sheet as security. So. So uh, it would be a major, major breakthrough if, if you saw any of those three things. And I, I'll end with this one observation. I tweeted this last week, but I still, I think it's very powerful. It's if the banks can hold this stuff on their balance sheet, then a whole new class of investors are gonna buy it. People are gonna put in billion and multi-billion dollar orders to buy it as a treasury asset. Nobody's gonna sell it because there's no reason to sell it if you can borrow against it at LIBOR plus, or at SOFR plus 50 basis points. Right. So you'll be you'll be borrowing against Bitcoin and so for plus 50 or so for plus 100 basis points. No one's ever going to sell it. And then, as I joked, you won't be able to afford it. I mean, you will be able to afford it. But, you know, everybody gets Bitcoin at the price they deserve when the banks normalize it. And you can draw a hundred million dollar credit line at 100 basis points from an FDIC insured bank. At that point. Right. We're going to blow through the market cap of gold by a factor of 10. Right. So, I, I, you know, I think the best thing is those three things are highly likely to happen. I don't know if they happen in 36 months or 24 months or 12 months, but I would be shocked if it's more than 36 months. And I hope, guys, I hope it doesn't happen in 12 months because my view is the longer it takes, the the more progressive the grind, the more time I, I have to buy more of it. <laughs> and I think right now, if I'm not mistaken, you have 114,000 Bitcoin or so. You're muted, bro. Oh.
Sorry, I'm like covering up my cough. And by the way, uh, Bitcoin Q and A. I don't, I don't want to hold. I don't want to hold you down. Thank you so much for, yeah, yeah, for joining yeah. us. On, uh, wait, Bitcoin. before Q and A pops off, uh, Q and A. Uh, plug your website <laughs> and and what you want people to see, and then you can pop off, bro. Yeah, I could, will do. Thank you for the opportunity, guys. It was great to be back on. Uh, hopefully, we can do this again soon. It's always good to uh, to talk about the stuff that I literally spend you know too many hours each day and each week uh, getting to build so um yeah if you want to check out foundation foundationdevices.com uh if you want to check out my personal website bitcoiner.guide uh yeah just go and check it out and there's lots of good stuff there and yeah thank you once again guys keep up the awesome work uh keep up the keep the ball juice flowing uh, appreciate what you do appreciate it thank you Thanks, so much for, thank you so much for coming on the show bitcoin q a we really really appreciate it um, anyways, so going back to, um, I mean, this is incredibly, incredibly bullish, uh, and those three things have happened already. So it's not, uh, you know, it's not a hypothetical. Someone was asking, what is parapasu? Parapasu is a Latin phrase that means equal footing. So essentially what Michael Saylor is that Bitcoin would have equal footing, um, as us treasuries, right? It do currently doesn't, uh, the way that it's accounted for. So like it, it's a, again, it's a de-incentive, but once it has equal footing accounting wise, uh, you know, people are going to come to the, their own realization. I mean, we pulled you the website priced in Bitcoin. Uh, we did that on purpose. Like, you know, everything gets cheaper when you're on a Bitcoin standard, you know, and this is the same for public companies when they realize, holy cow, we're sitting on like ice cubes that are melting um, might as well hold some corn, even if it's not a large amount, it will protect them from the debasement of holding fiat currencies. And a lot of them hold a lot of fiat currencies. The reason it doesn't make a debt is because they're extremely profitable companies. So their profit kind of makes up for that, for that loss of purchasing power, holding those dollars. Anyways, um, the other couple things that he mentioned is, uh, big banks holding quote unquote Bitcoin for their clients. Uh, and this is exactly what's happening. Uh, we see the news coming out of France, Banco Santander in Spain, some banks in the US as well. Uh, this is the latest article that I can find from Reuters. Very reputable news source. And it says Deutsche Bank to hold crypto for institutional clients. This is exactly what Michael Saylor said needed to happen, right? And it's happening already. The FASB rules are happening. This isn't a theory anymore. When they recorded this spaces, it was two years ago. Uh, it was November 10th of 2021. So all the stars are aligning. And of course, the last thing that he said is the Bitcoin spot ETF with a lot of people are betting that it's going to be passed or accepted or approved in early January of next year. So yeah, I mean, I, I understand the title of today's episode, but those aren't my words. Those are Michael Saylor's words. And the three things that he said needed to happen in order for Bitcoin to hit $5 million, 5X from gold. So I mean, it would 10X from gold. So essentially... Uh, a Bitcoin uh, gold market cap uh, would put the price of Bitcoin at between five hundred to six hundred thousand dollars per coin. If you ten x from there, that's five million dollars. Or maybe I'm doing the the math wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's the that's the correct math. So, like, I mean, this is a big effing deal. I'm not gonna lie to you guys. Uh, it is it is five million. So this is a big effing deal, and I think Michael Saylor is really seeing, you know, the, the he's seeing he's seeing what is happening in front of his eyes, and he really called this, he predicted this. Now, what I gotta say before I pass it on to Opti, and just to kind of bring attention to, uh, because there's really two battles here. There's hyper Bitcoinization, which we all want, but then there's also the right to self custody, right? 
There's two separate things. I think governments are going to be okay with captured Bitcoin, ETF Bitcoin, uh, Bitcoin and banks, because there's only a handful of banks. So it makes it very easy for them to confiscate on a massive scale. I think governments are going to fight self-custody tooth and nail because essentially it's not going to allow them to distribute wealth, redistribute wealth the way that they've been accustomed to doing for decades and decades and decades, uh, not only through via direct taxation, which I don't want to get into that, but via the taxation of inflation, right? Um, and that is where I take a stance, right? So you can say income tax is this. I don't want to get into that argument. People feel differently about income tax. Um, I think it's a political debate. Um, and I just think it's not worthwhile for this show. But I don't think anyone has agreed to inflation tax. I don't think everyone would agree to that. I think if people were made aware, you know, imagine if we explained to that girl who was upset about McDonald's uh, and she understood what inflation was, she'd say, this is a scam. Like, what the F is going on? Like, what do you mean there's the money that I can hold that is increased, that's going to increase in purchasing power over time? That's our job is to wake those people up to the new reality, the new paradigm. And this is what the book, The Sovereign Individual, is talking about. I mean, they predicted this moment in time back in the 90s. Uh, like, they hit the nail on the head. Like, I always read you guys this passage. It says, new technologies will allow the holders of wealth to bypass the national monopolies that have issued and regulated money in the modern period. Their importance for controlling the world's wealth will be transcended by mathematical algorithms that have no physical existence. In the new millennium, cyber money controlled by private markets will supersede fiat money issued by governments. Right. And of course, governments, are, they don't like that. They don't like that. Why would they like that? It's competition. They used to not have competition. Right. So when you see Elizabeth Warren making her moves, it's really not about money laundering. It's really not about terrorism. It's about controlling the money. That's what it fundamentally boils down to. And you got to give her credit because she knows what the hell is going on. Like, I bet you Elizabeth Warren knows exactly what's going on. I think that's why she's fighting this as, way she, as hard as she's fighting this right now. Anyways, Opti, what's your take um, on all this? Yeah, I mean, um, I think that this FASB ruling, uh, it's not getting as much, uh, what do you call it, like as much attention as a spot Bitcoin ETF. But I think this is one of those really, really big things that's happening <laughs> that's going to get Bitcoin to just go absolutely nuclear. Because, I mean, I say it all the time, you know, and I even have this and I, and I hate using uh, CoinMarketCap, but it's it's a good, good visual here. Um and maybe I got to zoom in a little bit here, but uh, Bitcoin versus the biggest companies and assets in the world by market cap. And you can see Bitcoin's at what, 11 compared to like Apple, Bank of America, Microsoft, Alphabet, uh, Amazon, Vanguard. And the only reason I bring this up is because, guys, Bitcoin is bigger than any one company. Bitcoin is bigger than any one country. Bitcoin is bigger than gold. And here we are at what's what's the Bitcoin market cap right now? Like 800 800 billion or something like Bitcoin is absolutely tiny when you think about the implications of Bitcoin on the global scale. And the fact that corporations have been afraid of adding Bitcoin to their balance sheets uh, just goes to show how early we are in this thing. You know, Michael Saylor was a pioneer with micro strategies and figuring out how he can go through all the hula hoops and obstacles to get Bitcoin on their balance sheet. But now once it's becoming easier for every corporation in the world to add Bitcoin, it's going to go absolutely nuclear in regards to the Bitcoin price. And of course, we 
always advocate for Bitcoin as being the separation of money and state. But this is the financialization of Bitcoin. Like this is where we are in the story. And of course, we always advocate for people to take Bitcoin into custody. And hence why we're seeing that on the one hand, FASB is changing their balance sheet rulings. And on the other hand, we have politicians like Elizabeth Warren trying to stop people taking Bitcoin into custody. So you can see that, you know, for better or worse, as much as everyone likes to think that the great Leviathan, like the left hand knows what the right hand is doing, they're actively fighting against each other because some people are incentivized to understand that, wow, there is a new paradigm shift with Bitcoin. And the dinosaurs are like, yo, let's try to stop this. And obviously they can't stop Bitcoin. So they are more incentivized to embrace Bitcoin. And here we are, like we're seeing it all happen in real time. And of course, we always advocate for you guys to take Bitcoin into custody. But if we're being honest, we know that corporations, um, nation states, high net worth individuals, they probably don't care about owning their own keys. And uh, like how Finney said in the early days, you know, there will be fractional reserve Bitcoin banks and there will be 100 percent backed reserve Bitcoin banks. And we will I'm, learn. I'm, I'm, ba I'm banking with uh, Bank of Opti. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, how Finney said it in the very, very early days, and, and we'll see the market, like the market's always clear. So we'll see people learn either very expensive lessons or they will, you know, stay humble and stack sats and protect themselves by taking their wealth into custody. But at least now we have a mechanism that can't be controlled like gold was. We won't have a centralized fiat system like we currently have. It's because we have Bitcoin. And this is why we know that Bitcoin's incentives are pure and that moving forward, like, hey, you guys want to hold some some paper Bitcoin, by all means, do you. Uh, I'm not here to tell you what to do, but I know what I'm doing. I'm holding my Bitcoin in custody, you know, <laughs> using a foundation device like we showed today. But this just goes to show that we're still so early in this game. Like Bitcoin is getting financialized for better or worse. And I know people are always like, oh, we're not here to, you know, are we here to separate money from state or are we here to just see number go up? Well, guys, it's one and the same thing. Like corporations are going to want to find exposure to Bitcoin. High net worth individuals will want to find exposure to Bitcoin. And if we do this correctly and Bitcoin spreads through every single everyday person and they actually hold their keys, then the Bitcoin network won't get co-opted. So this is just part of the process. Bitcoin is maturing. And part of that maturing is seeing these FASB rules, seeing spot Bitcoin ETFs, seeing corporations add it to their balance sheets, seeing nation states add Bitcoin to their balance sheets. And all we can really do is advocate for people to hold Bitcoin directly, because that's the only way that we don't find ourselves in the same position that we found ourselves now. And truly, we believe that Bitcoin's incentives are pure, that Bitcoin cannot be stopped if it is used correctly, even... Like I, I even had this conversation with one of my friends uh, at Unconfiscatable. We were asking ourselves, like, you know, sometimes we got to look at ourselves in the mirror and ask ourselves, like, are we really doing what we think we're doing? Or are we kind of putting ourselves into a system that is going to do more harm than good? And, you know, I think I think this is that crossroad where you realize, OK, uh, this is good for Bitcoin, but we got to make sure that we're advocating people take Bitcoin into custody because we don't want to find ourselves in another position like we did with gold or or paper money. And um, I think this is good for Bitcoin, but don't buy a spot Bitcoin ETF. 
you know, take Bitcoin into custody. This is the way, guys. A hundred percent. And I, I released a poll um, and uh, I said, would you trust Bank of Opti? 80% of you said no. <laughs> uh, 20% of you said yes. So, this is statistically relevant, too. Um, yeah. So just just to kind of throw it out there. Well, no, to be fair, to be fair, the people that said no are correct because I've told them already, if you give me your money, after a long enough time frame, I will probably, you know, obfuscate some funds here or there. This Wait, is why what? I'm a Bitcoiner. This is why you what? take the money outside of my control because oh, I am only human. Yo, oh, man. Um, God, did, did Opti just admit to theft? No, that was a joke. No, no. I, I, I admitted to the fact that I'm only human. And, and, you know, if I was a goldsmith back in the day and you guys were leaving me with a shit ton of gold, I would probably start, you know, giving some paper receipts to gold that wasn't there too. I understand the incentives of this. Okay. Yeah. So what Opti's talking about in a non-correct manner is just human, human beings are no better than their incentives and stop trusting other people with your money don't trust other people with your money now especially that you can hold self-custody literally the culture segment today we literally dedicated to uh envoy and passport that and make it so easy to take self-custody at this point you literally have absolutely no excuse anyways we hope you all enjoyed the show uh really appreciate it we love you all uh smash that like button if you're enjoying the content consider subscribing if you feel like we provided you value i'm your host nico this is my co-host opti We'll be back uh, tomorrow, 12.15 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for another episode of Simply Bitcoin Live. And I'm going to take some more DayQuil because that Vegas virus is kicking my ass right now. I know. We're struggling. Peace out, everybody.